There are some 200,000 mid-sized businesses in the United States. These businesses generate about $10 trillion in combined revenue and almost a third of private sector gross domestic product. Their greatest strength is often their flat organizational structure and agility, which allows them to quickly respond to customer needs and marketplace opportunities. They are essential businesses that form the backbone of the U.S. economy, but they are also exposed to a host of economic, legal, social, regulatory, and natural catastrophe risks. Welcome to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. I'm David Hilgen. Our guest today is Alex Wells, head of U.S. Middle Market for Zurich. As such, he and his team work closely with mid-sized businesses to help them identify and manage their risks. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. Alex, I want to start off by defining the middle market. What do you consider to be a middle market business? An open question among a a lot of people in a lot of different industries. Broadly, Zurich defines the middle market as businesses that have less than a billion dollars in annual revenue. Okay. Um, It can be all the way down to startups with with no revenue. If looking for the type of insurance products that a a slightly larger account might be interested in. Okay. So rather than focusing solely on revenue, we have a number of different account characteristics we look at just to make sure that we're assigning the right category of our business to, to help those types of accounts with their insurance needs. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I want to go a bit, di- bit deeper here. Can you highlight some of the differences between, say, a middle market business and a larger global entity? Well, as you said in your lead-in, many of our middle market business partners are very flat organizations. Yeah. Um, so, they, they often have executives and management that have to wear multiple hats relative to their operations. And so specifically related to insurance, many times they don't have a, a dedicated department of risk that looks at insurance risk or risk more mm-hmm. broadly that really falls within the finance part of their organization. Sometimes even the CEO or the CFO directly is handling that type of work. So they tend to have these resource constraints because they're much flatter organizations. They don't tend to have a lot of specialized resources even outside of the insurance space. So they look to external third parties to help them understand a variety of those things. They also tend to have very focused areas of business, whether that's geography or product lines or types of clients that they have, which tends to focus them, makes them very good at that business. But it also means that they tend to have a concentrated type of risk relative to a lot of different parts of their station. Yeah, well, that makes sense. So what are some of the biggest risks that the middle market businesses are facing today? That's a good question. I think if you would ask a CEO of a mid-sized mm-hmm. business what they're worried about, they're going to say the same things that if you go and ask yeah. a global type of account. They're very concerned about the economy. They're trying to predict the future of of their space that they're mm-hmm. that they're in. Um, they're also concerned about talent acquisition, an understanding of how they're going to attract and retain their talent, and of course. They're looking at a lot of natural hazards in today's world, particularly if they're in certain geographies around the United States that are experiencing more natural catastrophes than they've than they've seen in the past. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about these middle market businesses not having a team of risk managers to help them manage risk. Can you go 
a little bit more into that, you know, talk a little bit about their limited risk management resources and how that can be a, a challenge when you're running a business? Sure. So I just, I'll use one example that's in the okay. news a lot right now, which is cybersecurity, right? Yeah. So when you start thinking about very large organizations, they have teams of people that are dedicated to securing their cyber exposures uh, and making sure that everything is lined up and they understand what their risk is and they're buying insurance appropriately uh -huh. for that. When, when you start to look at a middle market account, they certainly usually have an IT department, but they might not have cyber risk specialists, right? Yeah. We just recently completed an acquisition of, of a company called Speartip, um, uh -huh. which as an example, does monitoring for mid-sized businesses to help them understand, A, at the front end, help them understand you know, where their vulnerabilities might be and what the risks are, but also provides ongoing monitoring of all of their IT systems in order to identify threats and be ahead of those threats. That's the type of special specialized expertise that mid-sized businesses look to the outside to try to provide. Um, and sometimes I hire them through vendors. In yeah. our case, I, I think we offer a lot of things in the insurance space, um, but it's, it's, it's not always easy to know whether your insurance company offers those types of services and products. And so that's why you need a good broker and you need a good yeah. insurance company and they can kind of walk through all of the things that might be available that will support that expertise into those organizations. Yeah, I know that collaborating with outside companies and could be insurers or brokers or outside firms is very important, particularly with cyber. One of the issues that keeps coming up, and I know you've written about this recently, with businesses large and small, and in between is the rise in these high jury awards, also known as nuclear verdicts. Why is this a concern for businesses? I think it's, it's a concern for the businesses. It's a concern for society. There's no magic pot of money somewhere to pay for these outsized um, yeah. jury verdicts, right? It all ends up coming back to the consumer and the businesses that have to pay for the products or services. And when we look at it from an insurance perspective, you know, we get to see a, a broad range of the lawsuits that come through. We understand sort of the history of litigation. And so we can see the trends and the changes. And what we're seeing right now is really a, a ramp up in the number of eight and nine figure jury verdicts. So tens yeah. of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they're driven through a number of different causes, not the yeah. least of which is they have a very sophisticated plaintiff spar that has found some new ways to provide litigation funding, which allows them to be much more aggressive in their attacks on businesses. And it creates an incentive for them to delay and create a lot of development activity within the insurance marketplace. And this litigation finance is often not disclosed yeah. to the jurors or even to the court. And so it's hard to know where, uh, where this is happening, but it is... Uh, a major cause of concern relative to yeah. us and to, our, to the business partners that, that we have. The real challenge is that it's keeping people from getting fair settlements when people are, are injured or there's damage to their property. That's what we're here for in the insurance industry is to, to give you that sense of security and have an ability to recover and be made whole. And, uh, this societal trend toward um, social inflation and litigation abuse um, really changes that dynamic and it creates a very adversarial situation and we all pay for it, right? Yeah. It's an interesting discussion I've had recently with some folks is, could you determine how much 
of uh, a product or service that you're buying, uh, how much of that price is determined by this sort of external litigation that is really funding these plaintiff's attorneys. And in many cases, it's a significant percentage of the cost of uh, a product or a service. And the general population just isn't very aware of that underlying cost that is essentially a tax or an inflationary type charge that really drives up costs for everybody in society. I imagine for a middle market business, they probably don't have the legal resources to fight these cases. So having an insurance company that can address these issues is official. I imagine. It is critical and it doesn't always happen, right? Because yeah. not everything is covered under insurance. And sure. so there certainly are places where these types of mid-sized businesses get yeah. themselves into a situation like on their own. And that's very difficult. That can be an end to an enterprise, right? Like that, that drives small to mid-sized businesses out of business. Even if they win in the courts, the time and money that it takes to defend those cases uh, can bankrupt them and really put them out of business. They don't have those resources. But even if they have insurance, there's the added problem where they have to determine how much insurance they should buy every year. Yeah. Historically, or a good insurance broker could give you some guidance as to how much liability insurance that yeah. you should buy. And you can feel pretty good that if you bought, if you followed that recommendation, that would be enough to cover the potential for a claim that came through and you'd have the insurance company there backing you up and it would be something that you knew your business was going to be able to survive. Unfortunately, now, even mid-sized businesses are having these nuclear verdicts and the jury awards for um, hundreds of millions of dollars for certain situations. And unlike big global Fortune 500 companies, a mid-sized business is generally not buying hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. worth of liability insurance limits, right? So they actually have to be worried about, did I buy enough insurance? Because if I only bought a $25 million policy, and the jury award comes back with 50 million or 100 million dollars, it can be a changing event for that yeah. enterprise. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I want to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence, AI. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems to be in the news all the time now. How can and how are insurers using AI to help customers manage risk? Well, we don't know yet where this is going to go. And I think that most sure. people who are working with, with AI who are thoughtful will acknowledge sure. that we're not sure where this is going to end, but it is very exciting. There are a lot of opportunities to improve the insurance transaction and the way we do business and how we support our clients with artificial uh, intelligence. I mean, we do a lot of work to make sure that we understand our clients. Artificial intelligence can allow us to go into a lot of public space and collect information about our customers. And that allows us to craft insurance products, insurance services, and just a general way of doing business to better align with what that customer needs. And I think that's really important, especially in the mid-market type business, because everybody can research and understand what Coca-Cola does. And that is something that underwriters can get your hands around and understand that risk. Mid-sized businesses generally are not public companies. There isn't a lot of defined documents that let you understand the operation of the account and the risks that they might have. And so that takes a lot of work for a middle market insurance company to understand the individual nuances sure. of an account. 
artificial intelligence can reach out and collect a lot of information very quickly that an underwriter otherwise would spend hours or days trying to pull together, collate, understand, and yeah. be able to then use that to craft a, a business decision. And so you're able to speed up the whole, the whole process yeah. for the clients. And frankly, we are also able to use many of those AI tools to create insights that we can give back to our clients about the type of risk that they have relative to the type of risk similar accounts have. And AI allows us to collate that information and really drill down and provide something very helpful back to those kinds of clients and say, okay, you know, you're in a certain industry and we might have general observations about that industry and the types of risks that are in that industry, but you specifically have certain characteristics or attributes that are like somebody in another industry. And we see this type of risk or these types of claims coming from this other industry that you should be worried about too. And we should explore those so the insurance products that might might protect you from things that otherwise yeah. we wouldn't necessarily have thought about. AI, yeah. AI allows us to connect dots um, uh -huh. and in a way that is different, right? In the yeah. past, that's been something that underwriters had to spend a lot of time to do. And now we're able to use some of those tools, albeit this is very early, right? So yeah. it's in its infancy, but we have some pretty high expectations in terms of what we might be able to get out of it. Yeah, well, I, any kind of intelligence, artificial or otherwise, is better than no intelligence at all, <laughs> I yes. would think. And despite concerns about it, it's clear that the human element will remain in the insurance industry. It's a very human business. I think the insurance industry, more so than most industries, uh -huh. has had a history of having to understand how we take data yeah. and use it responsibly. You know data is neutral. It's how you use it, right? As an industry, we have learned a lot of lessons over a long period of time because everything that we do is based upon data, right? Data privacy and protection is core to the industry and certainly to Zurich. And I think Zurich is a leader in that space. Um, and then those use cases are very important to us, right? There's a way to provide value to our clients and create, uh, I think, a lot of upside to more sophisticated risk management for clients who otherwise wouldn't be receiving that type of insight and do it in a very responsible way. Interesting. I do want to thank you for joining us on this Future of Risk podcast. This was great. It was a real pleasure. Thanks, David. For Zurich North America, I'm David Hilgen. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at ZurichNA.com and join us next week. The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained here may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.